Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All us geeks, fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Because we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews is up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome to episode 74 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Your inner geek is sick this week. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> Let the hack fest begin. So let's. No, Friday the 13th got re- the reboot got canceled. <laughs> so let's, let's see. Let's see if we can make this a short episode so Jeff doesn't have to talk as much. Game was good. Recommend buying it. Done. We'll we just don't, put the title in yeah, the show. Just, in the uh, show app. Whatever game you're looking at right now, we recommend you buy that one. Unless it's exploding kittens. <laughs> or, or, or. <laughs> well, you said we have to limit ourselves to five. <laughs> Here's five games we don't recommend. <laughs> All right. Hey, we have our uh, sponsored shout-out again. So, that is awesome. Let's talk about that real quick. That is Yukon Salon, a fast, funny card game of lumberjack beards and grizzly bear hairdos for two to four players of all ages. On Kickstarter now, go check out yukonsalon.com or uh, search for it over on Kickstarter. Uh, the yukonsalon.com will uh, redirect over there. They are fully funded and even have unlocked their first stretch goal uh, last time I looked, so uh, go check it out. I don't have really anything much for our intro stuff. Of course, we are on Mixler, or our general stuff, I should say. We're on Mixler. We try to be every other Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central Time. So uh, I usually tweet out right as we start, and if you follow us on Mixler, you get an email when we uh, go live. Because every once in a while, not often, but every once in a while, we have an off-not-Tuesday recording session. You just never know. Got to keep the, keep the masses keep guessing. guessing. Yeah. So, Game Review. Sponsored by Stephanie M. Oh. Stephanie. Well, in that case, I'm going into full cold black heart <laughs> mode. Stephanie, thank you very much for sponsoring us over on Patreon and allowing Jordan to have a cold black heart. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, we are reviewing Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. I'll just say going in, I wasn't sure what I was going to think of this game. <laughs> uh, Nor was I. Yeah. Uh, you told me it was an Opoly game, and I was like, wow, 
Strike one before you even crack the box open for me. <laughs> I was right there with you. <laughs> but uh, let's let's see how that played out, shall we? Let's. <laughs> right. What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is a deck building game, a cooperative deck building game, where basically you're trying to take out the villains before they take control of locations. That's pretty much the gist of um, the various games. They're kind of scenario-based. And uh, it goes, like, game one through seven, so year one through seven, kind of. You follow follow the Potter kids, <laughs> the, the Hermione, Harry, Ron, and Neville. and Neville are the playable characters. So you, you follow these four characters basically through the, the seven years, get upgrades as you go along. And like I said, the, the base of it is you're building your deck and, and all, all the players are building a deck for a character that is trying to defeat the villains before the villains can take over the locations. Every year has different locations. Every year adds more villains. So it's not replacing villains until you get towards the end of the years, but it's adding more villains. So every year, every, when you go to that next game, you're going to have even more villains to look at and to defeat. Possibly more locations. The locations differ between, like I said, each game. But the locations can do... Well, the locations don't really do much on their own, but they determine how many dark art cards are going to show up. So those are like bad events for the players. So, you know, starting off like game one, all the locations pretty much just say, when it's your turn, you show one dark art card. So... Each player will show one dark art card and do whatever it says. Into, I think there's a couple in there that go three. I think towards the end there might even be three. But when you start getting into two or three dark art cards, especially since every game also adds new dark art cards, and eventually you get into ones that say, reveal more dark art cards. So suddenly you're trying to remember, is this my second or third? Because I just just showed three dark art cards because of reveal. And that was all on the first one. So I got two more to go, and things don't look great. <laughs> That's when things get a little hectic for you. Basic turn order in this is you're going to reveal and resolve the dark art card I was just talking about. So this is on each player's turn. These happen. So you reveal a dark art card, resolve it. Again, how many you reveal is shown on the location that is up at the time. Then you go into resolving villain abilities. So the vi- the villains that are face up all have abilities on them. Some of them will be kind of situational and happen through the game. Some of them resolve right now. So like if one of them is to you lose a health, uh, they basically attack you. Then at that point you lose that health. And then the next person that goes is going to lose that health when they get to that as well. Otherwise it might be something like if they put a control token on a location, something happens. So you got to watch for that when the uh, control tokens go on the locations. Then you play your Hogwarts cards and you take your hero's actions, which are based off of the cards you play. So this is fairly typical deck building. Each character has a base deck of 10. The money, I think, is the same across all of the decks, but there's one or two items that are specific to each character. So it is an asymmetric game as far as that goes. You know, your start, even your starting deck is not, we all have the exact same 10 cards. There's one or two that are going to be different for each character. It's like seven money, two items, and an ally, right? Something yeah. Like that. Yep. All the allies are pretty much the same, I think, for everybody, though, too. No, um, I don't think so. You didn't think so? I had Crookshanks, and somebody had... Uh, 
Yeah, because not everybody had the cat. No. No, I, I'm sorry. The ability. The the ability oh, of your right. ally yes. was always I, either to I attack or, or take health. I thought you I, meant... No, no. Everybody had their own... No, everybody had their own ally, named ally, but I think the abilities on all four of them were the same. Right. So really, it came down to what items you had that made your deck a little bit different. Okay. You'll play your Hogwarts cards and take your actions, which is going to be basically attacking the villains, buying new cards, that kind of stuff. Healing yourself if you have that ability, all that good stuff. And then you move on to basically the end of your turn. You kind of just, it's cleanup, basically. You're going to go back up to five cards, all that good stuff. You're going to replace a villain if one was defeated. So there's always however many villains out for that specific game. So game one through two or three, there's only ever one villain out, then it goes to two, and then suddenly there's three villains out, you know, as you kind of go along. And that's really kind of the the base of the game. Again, your your objective is to take out all of the villains before they take control of all of the locations. So that's your lo- that's your loss. All of the locations go away, you've lost. There is no you do have health, and you are going to lose health. There is no like perma death. You're not going to get. You're not. It's not player elimination. You're going to get stunned, which even with a stun, it's not a total lose your turn. You still get to play cards and stuff. You just got to get rid of some cards. Got to get rid of any tokens you had already collected for influence or battle, and then you get to play out the rest of your your hand. You can't heal anymore. At that point, but then at the end of your turn or the end of the turn, you get stunned because you can get stunned off, off of turn. At the end of the turn, you get stunned. You go back up to 10 health and, and go from there. So there's no player elimination. The other thing about this game is we, you know, I've been talking about it goes game one through seven. Every year adds something kind of newish to the game. So they don't, it's not a full blown at the very beginning of the game. You get all the mechanics. You get the base. So. You start off year, if you start with year one, you kind of get the base and get used to the mechanics. Year two adds a little bit more. Year three adds a little bit more. Year four, I think, is when the dice came in. Yep. And then year five, six, and seven are going to be when you're kind of battling Voldemort all those three years. And so other things come in. I think, what was it? Year three where the spell came in that you could block the guys and stuff. So you get a little bit of something extra every, every year you, you play. Every year you play, you add to the Dark Arts cards, you add to the cards you can purchase, you add to the villains, and the locations get switched out. Your player characters, depending on the year, are going to get abilities, so they kind of grow with you. But you always go back to your 10 base cards and start from there and build up from there. All right. Anything you think I uh, left out before we go on? (laughs) One of the things about accumulating tokens... It's, there's no, there's no banking on your turn. At the end of your turn, you discard any remaining cards and any unused tokens are wasted as well. So if you have influence, but nothing to buy, either can't afford or don't want, that influence goes away. If there's nothing to damage for some strange reason and you have damage left over, that also goes away. But off turn, off your turn, other people can have effects that will give you those tokens to use on your turn. Right. All right, so with that, components for Hogwarts Battle. Do you want me to start? Because you already know my complaint. I'll I'll go. I'll (laughs) go. Because it's kind of the same complaint. It is the same complaint. (laughs) (laughs) 
The components are 95% very good. <laughs> the tokens. Mm, I think that's high. Well, okay, we'll, we'll go 90, but, uh, cause 10% of that is really shitty cards. <laughs> but it's a deck builder. So how I know. is it 90% good? No, I think you're way high. Anyway. Go, oh, okay. Go. Well, let's split the difference. I'm saying 90. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm saying 50 because it's a deck builder. Okay. So there we go. We'll, so we'll say 55. I'll, I'll come down. <laughs> so yeah, it's a deck builder. The, the core component is the cards. The cards are what? Maybe craft paper thick? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Two pieces of craft paper and a glue stick. And you and Megan had already gone through the game once and looking at the backs of the cards, there was immediately visible shuffleware after just one use and some chipping and some dinged corners couple peeled cards that's why so i do have them in sleeves mm -hmm. it's one of the first things i did midway through megan and i playing it again this is like first few plays we did nothing else with it mm -hmm. already peeling cards yep. so we're like okay before we play this next game let's go through and we and we basically sleeved it as the new games came out Yep. That's a good way to do it. Aside from that, though, uh, Mrs. Lincoln, how's that play? The cardboard involved, though, the other cardboard is good. The board that uh, everything takes place on, very nice, and it's visually very nice. It's sepias and dark. So it's, I think it's supposed to look like the the map. The wandering area, whatever yeah. it's called. Yep. The actual location cards and and villain cards seem to be a little bit thicker. Not necessarily noticeable, but maybe just because they're bigger, they hold up better, and you're not shuffling yeah, them yeah. as much. The the tokens for influence and and damage, those are nice. Yeah, that, that's good quality cardboard right there. And they give you ridiculously <laughs> for some reason they give you these metal, possibly damaging if you hit somebody in the eye tokens for locking out location sections, like. <laughs> Blowing the budget on something, they give you those rather than better right. quality cardboard for the cards. So, I mean, overall, I think it's generally a high satisfaction with the componentry, but the fact that the cards themselves are so ridiculously flimsy, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous, I said three times. <laughs> it's a deck it. builder. Right. That, like I said, that, that blows me away. It's, fact that it is a deck builder that is the purpose of this it's like they wanted you to buy a, a new game every other play <laughs> uh, i'm sure they're coming out with their own line of sleeves <laughs> so get the harry potter themed sleeves for the harry potter so game. that that was ridiculous that that irritated me because especially since this was originally a christmas present for megan mm -hmm. um, so for us to get into the her first couple plays of her christmas present and already of damaged cards. I was like, all right, I, let me go downstairs and get some sleeves. Um, Here you go. Got your crappy Christmas present. Merry Christmas. And, and like, you know, I mean, I don't sleeve a lot of stuff these days mm -hmm. unless it's, unless it is like a, an LCG or something that you and I are playing a lot, maybe, but I don't sleeve a, a lot, a ton of stuff now, but that there was no way I could keep going with that. That said, I mean, even in the sleeves, they felt flimsy. It's like yeah. if, if I was holding my hand and coughed. Just that little flex might break something, you know, just bend it. Yeah, I still it. put them in penny sleeves. So, yeah, <laughs> cheap sleeves for cheap cards. <laughs> <laughs> Want to blow the budget. 
that's what I had the most of around. I wasn't sure how many cards we were going to end up going through. Through as as it was, we went through quite a few packs. Well, I can just go one sleeve uh, Rise of the Rune Lords. We don't play that anymore. There you go. <laughs> so, but beyond that, like first of all, besides the cards for the deck builder, <laughs> the components were decent quality. Uh, like you said, the board was really nice. I. Personally, especially when you kind of get into it, I think it, the layout could have been a little bit better or a little clearer as you get farther along. But it does the job, especially in the beginning, is fine. And it's a it's a board, it's a fold out board mm-hmm. that you know uh, that you're used to. The the ridiculous control tokens, <laughs> the villain control tokens. Wh- again, drop that down to some cardboard punch outs and put the money back in the cards. But whatever, they're nice. They're too much, especially when it goes with the rest of the game. The cardboard, like you said, for the punch outs and the punch outs they did do solid, you know, does the job. There wasn't really any peeling or anything going on there. So all comes back though to the irritant that this is a deck builder. So solid components until you get to the cards. All right. <laughs> and, and, and that's the way we have to, unfortunately, we start with components because we start out bitchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Mechanics. Mechanics for Hogwarts Battle. What did you think of the mechanics? Basically, you've pretty much got to where we stopped, because we stopped after game four. Mm-hmm. You've pretty much seen all of the mechanics for the most part. Mm-hmm. Five, six, and seven, again, are just different versions of Voldemort. Spoiler. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to make a comparison for people that maybe haven't played this game, but are interested and have played Dominion. This kind of strikes me as a cross between Dominion and Pathfinder. Because Dominion starts out that first box set, very simple mechanics. Revolutionary at the time, but very simple mechanics. Not a lot of big action trees. There's not a lot of action trees. There are no action trees. You just do things on your spells. And then, like Pathfinder, there are story blocks, one for each year. So the mechanics, I think, work very well both as an introduction to the game in the first game as you mentioned year one your characters don't start with any powers any abilities and it's few villains locations are pretty easy to keep under control and the dark art isn't that bad so everything is there to teach you to the game teach you the game possibly if you lose you don't feel like you got kicked in the balls on the first on the first scenario but it's there and it, it eases you into the game and then as you said with each individual uh, with each following year the mechanics are are updated with <laughs> a new mechanic um <laughs> like you said adding the dice adding the petrifico totalis or that was a spell right the one that lets you lock down a villain yeah the one that yeah, blocks yeah. the so there are new things added each turn each year and as you said everything expands a little bit You've got more villains with more powers that will work together, sometimes in a really crappy synergy for (laughs) the heroes. The dark arts expand a little bit, but everything that you've learned the previous games still stays valid. It's just tweaking one thing or two things each year. So it's not, it's adding to the complexity, but not the difficulty. It's very well done mechanically, adding stuff without making you have to relearn the entire game each time. Mm So I think mechanically it's very sound. It's it's easy to pick up and learn from year to year. Yeah, I think mechanically it does a, a really good job. And like you said, introducing the mechanics slowly 
So this kind of, I mean, we're, we're kind of meshing three things here, but mm. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll at least give a highlight for each one when we get there. But <clears throat> the way that they did it was really nice for the new player. Cause again, this is a game because of the IP that's going to pull in people that may not be gamers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, oh my God, there's something Harry Potter. And so the way that they decided to approach deck building in this, you know, game one, year one, year two, year three kind of thing, I think was a solid choice because mm-hmm. the, the base mechanics are, are fairly simple. They, they kind of ease you into the whole deck building thing. And then, and then like I said, okay, well, here's another thing. Here's another thing. And now here's a bunch more villains. And now, but like I said, you, you're always building on your base. You're not replacing it and you're not going full blown. Here's everything. Learn it. And, and kind of overwhelming somebody that's not used to this style of game. So I think they did a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Which kind of goes into rules for well, yeah, the way, battle. The way their mechanics work, it is just a base set of rules, but the way the mechanics work, it ties into the rules and the huge ability because mm-hmm. it's all based on those mechanics. And I interrupted you because you usually go first. <laughs> no, I I think they did a good job with the I, just talking about the rule book specifically. The mm-hmm. rule book itself is done really well. I think they did a good. Maybe job Maybe they it. just had a lot of that stock left in there after they did <laughs> the rule go. book. So we'll do the cards on this. <laughs> and one of the cool things they did in the back every every year every game. So again, game one you get a box full of stuff. Game two you get a little box full of stuff. Game two and on. There goes my boy. Like, I'm going through puberty. puberty. This is Johnson. Can Mary come out and play? Looking for a change. <laughs> oh, one dropped. Uh, it's fun to be sick. Game two on. <laughs> Game two on. <laughs> they, they actually have uh, the back page of the rule book kind of has a little slot. Because game two on just comes with a little, basically, sheet. Uh, a fold-out sheet that tells you what's different. So you stick those in the back of the rule book, and then as you replay those games with other people or whatever, you can just kind of pull it out and say, here's the new rules now that we're going into game two, game three, and so on. So I thought that was kind of nice. Um, so it's not, again, a new player. You're not grabbing this overly thick rule book that explains everything from year one to year seven. Uh, so that you're not overwhelming them. The rule book is basically, here's your base game. Here's what happens in year one. And the rule, again, they're so, they're so small of tweaks that again, it doesn't require a whole new rule book. It's just a little fold out sheet, two sided says, here's what's new. Here's what changes in this step. And you just tuck that into the back of the rule book. I think that was smart of them to do. So that's my overall for the rules. Anything else? No, I'm good. All right. So teachability for Hogwarts battle. I think we've kind of covered that, but go ahead one more time. Uh, I think it's a fairly teachable game. As you said, the the basic rules are very simple and a smallish chunk of the book overall. Mm-hmm. You didn't have, I don't think you'd have a lot of problems teaching this even to a non-card uh, non-deck builder, if this is somebody's first deck builder game, the way they ease you into it makes teachability high, and if you have any experience in one or two different deck builders, 
that just makes it an even easier teach because there's not a lot of revolutionary mechanics here. That's not to say it's bad. It's there's just everything. If you've played Dominion Pathfinder and Legendary, you've probably seen mechanically everything that's in this game. So you have a, a layer of familiarity that will help. So teachability, I think, is pretty high, whether it's your first game and you're learning it to teach somebody, or if you've played deck builders before and you're teaching a group of deck builder novices, or you have an experienced deck building group. I agree. I mean, the teachability, again, I I go back to how they laid it out was a good choice, and it's going to be easy to teach. Kind of going into rules and teachability, uh, one thing I forgot is there, there are some... You eventually get to some potentially tricky cards, and I did have to hit BGG um, once oh, or twice. Oh, well, this game sucks, though. <laughs> and there is a unofficial fact kind of out there that somebody started putting together based off of the official, you know, people question and, and them coming in and answering questions and stuff like that. So, like that, like when we played that one card that triggers itself, yes. that's where I got that from because we played it, it didn't. And then I read that later that it does. So uh, yeah, I still disagree with that ruling. Mm-hmm. But if it's what they say, it's the designer say. said. So there, mm. there are some potential, especially if you're like a a bit of a rules lawyer kind of person. There's some gotcha cards, but not not many. And it didn't, like I said, this this actually happened when Megan and I were playing, and it didn't stop us from playing at all. But there were a few times where I was on BGG while we were playing because either I or Megan had a question about a, how cards either interacted or what happened so there's a little bit of that but it's not bad and it's actually more or less in some of the later games it seems so again when you're getting into your first few games you know they're they're not overwhelming you with that kind of stuff anyway all right so theme for hogwarts battle what do you think i wasn't sure what to expect from the game i hadn't seen the box i hadn't seen the packaging i hadn't seen anything I, I knew of its existence, and that's that's all I knew going in. I liked the Harry Potter verse. I enjoyed all the books. I enjoyed the movies. So I wasn't coming into this with a negative expectation. That said, I find the theme, whether you're familiar with the Harry Potter verse or not, very high. Because even if you've never read the books or seen the movies, you cannot help but have seen the lightning bolt logo somewhere (laughs) and that's right there and if you've seen the movies like i said everything's kind of parchmenty colored the map the book you know go not the map the play the play mat the book which kind of harkens back to the mat and the fact that a lot of the stuff they find is in old books they're always Mm -hmm. reading old books vellum kind of stuff and then you have the characters two games in a row good screen caps for for the characters (laughs) The art on the cards is effective, but I i guess I didn't pay enough attention to the movies to know if the symbols were used, so I don't know if the symbols for the spells on the card add to the theme or detract. They seemed somewhat... Well, I'll say I'm neutral on those, because they, they don't add anything, and the best part of them was making up words for them to irritate Megan. (laughs) I'll take the Amazon and the curly Q. Can you give me the downtown? But, you know, the character cards, the villain cards, the locations, the coloring, the the character names, it's all licensed. So everything, 
everything is real. They have the license for all the IPs, all seven movies, so everything in there is real. The still shots are good. The artwork on the spell cards is not bad. I don't know that it adds anything, but taking those away, everything else, I think, is very strongly themed for Harry Potter. Even if you're just kind of a fringe Potter person, you will recognize everything. <laughs> yeah, I think the One Piece, I think it's the next game that we're, we would play is where it starts in. But one of the things, like Megan said, that she appreciated was that they did a nice combination of the movies and the books. And I think you get to see that, I think, with the next game we were about to play. Because the next piece that gets added in is, I believe, in 5. I'm not sure. Order of the Phoenix? Well, I mean for the game. Well, okay. Uh, the next piece that gets added in. But she she said she appreciated that they kind of combined the two. So it, they apparently got the license from both sides and, and met, used what they could and, and what they thought worked best in which scenario. So obviously the, the characters from the movies, everybody kind of knows and, 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 you know, lived through seven movies with these people. So having those as the primary characters instead of creating new, you know, sketches for them, obviously that was a smart move that people, that's what people kind of associate at this point. Right. And then some of the other stuff down the, the way they mixed in from the books. I haven't read the books. So. So I think, yeah, he over, dies in the end. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, I, I think they, I think they did a good job with the IP. I think they did a good job theming the the IP into this deck builder. It did not. This didn't feel like one of those, you know, tacked on later kind of, you know, some of these other games that we've played where it's like, you know, whatever. I mean, this could here's a mediocre anything. mechanic yeah. combination. Let's call it Harry Potter. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, they actually did a, a really good job with this one. So I'm pretty happy with the theme overall in this one. I, I felt good playing this one. And, and I, I'm especially pleased with it. You know, we knock on them and we shouldn't because they're a successful company, but it's USA. So I, I'm especially satisfied given that it's USA. <laughs> Nope, I don't own a company that makes games. I am totally judgmental there. I understand that. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think we've somewhat covered it, but we'll go into our fun factor slash overall for Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Again, for me, this was originally a game that I bought because it was a Christmas present for Megan. I knew she would probably like it. I went into this thinking I could probably tolerate it, <laughs> If it's something that Megan enjoyed, Megan and I sat down and played it. We had a lot of fun with it. We played it two player at that point, went through the entire seven years, seven games. And then Megan decided she wanted to see how it played four players. So we invited Jordan and Sarah to come play it. And then I will let Jordan take over in a minute from their perspective. But again, this is a game I ended up really liking. I enjoy it. I, I will actually play this anytime. Megan wants to play it, or if we want to break it out, this is a pretty decent game. I guess we did. We we kind of switched. We kind of went over replayability. We didn't really do any kind of replayability this time. I, I can I roll that, that into overall. Yeah, you know? I'll roll. I'll roll it into. I guess replayability. I think. I mean, there there's enough. There's a, a bunch of different villains, and there's a bunch of different ways the dark arcs cards can come out. I mean, they've got set scenarios up to seven. 
I wouldn't necessarily always go back to like game one and play through, but I think if you want to play like game five, six, and seven or, or something in there where all, almost all the mechanics are already out, I think you'll get some replayability out of that just from how things play out. It's not something that I would necessarily say to continually do like on a game night, like just let's play game seven over and over again kind of thing. I don't, I don't know if I'd do that, but I wouldn't be opposed to it like on a game night and then move on to something else. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll agree with you on the replayability. There's it's, it's I'll say high because there's a lot of random in here. How the dark arts cards come out, how the villains come out, how the locations survive or don't. And that, that in itself adds a lot of replayability. And the fact that you have four characters, if you wanted to start over a group of four, four times and just change characters each time, you could do that. Uh, I think you'd have to be pretty hardcore to want to do that. I, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I'm just throwing it out there. But unlike Pathfinder, where you're growing your deck out, well, or not growing your deck, well, a little bit, but adding cards and moving away from the base setup, this is always the base. So like you say, you can just jump into Chapter 7 right away if you really want, because you have the same base cards. You're not having to build anything or take anything apart. So that's very convenient in terms of encouraging replayability. So I think the replayability is high in general just as a deck builder, and I think very high if you like deck builders and Harry Potter. We got through five games the first four years yeah. in Yeah, we got smoked on year three two for some reason. Three, four hours. <laughs> yeah. So you can grind all in one day if you really wanted to and you had that group that wanted to do that. Or you can break it up into a few sessions because we're going to finish it this weekend. So the replayability is there both in terms of just restarting or doing an instance. And even in just the initial playthrough, it encourages replayability because you want to get through the first seven. You want to go through the seven books at least once. Mm-hmm. At least I do. And that leads into my overall and the fun factor. I think it's a pretty fun game. I think I had a real good time. I think Sarah liked it. Well, it was Sarah. I was like, no, seriously, when can we play this again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen a lot. We've left here or other places where games were played, and she's asked if we could go buy that game. But she's never actually said before we've even broken down the box, when are we going to finish it? <laughs> so that's uh, that's a big plus right there for the non-gamer wives. So I think replayability is high. Fun factor, I think, is pretty darn high. I enjoyed it. It's It's light enough to be fun no matter when you play it, but just in-depth enough as the game progresses to make you not feel like you're just doing the same thing over and over for seven chapters. Even though you are with just a little tweak here and there, the tweaks are enough to make it the enjoyment grow. So I think replayability high, fun factor high. There's also enough villains to make you curse them when you see them come out. The the abilities and stuff on some of them are just like, Bassless. Oh, that, that is my complaint. I have a complaint. <laughs> Uh-oh. Every spell, it seems, has oh, the option right. to draw a card. Not every. Not well. every. But I'm being exaggerative here. That's a word. <laughs> every spell almost has the ability to draw a card. And yet, the between the Basilisk and easily half of the Dark Art cards, it seems, you never get to use it. Because there's always a punishment out there somewhere, it seems, <laughs> saying you can't draw cards. That is my only complaint. Let me draw the cards, damn it. 
Well, the, sorry, so the dark arts are only if it's your turn. Yeah. Although somebody on their turn can say, like, all heroes draw a card. Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it's annoying, but it's, it, to me, one of the things that this game does, and I think, I don't know, I'm going to say does well, is it really makes you think sometimes, especially in the later games, which one do we go after first? Yes. And, and it's a real choice that you have to make. This one's making me lose health, you know, every turn. This one isn't letting me draw cards. This one isn't letting us take tokens off the location. So they, they keep their control. What do we do? Mm-hmm. Which one of these do we feel is the most important to take care of right now? And they're all beefy. Yeah. They're all grinds. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So there you go. A game that surprised both of us <laughs> and that we thoroughly enjoy. So uh, definitely check out Harry Potter's Hogwarts Battle. Buy sleeves if you get it. <laughs> don't even open the game until you have them. Just don't. <laughs> You'll be pissed. What we're watching. We had an elsewhere for a while. It looks like they, they took off. So what we're watching is sponsored by Anime Don. Thank you, Anime Don, for sponsoring us over on Patreon and letting us talk about, you know, things that we veg out in front of the couch. On the couch. Actually, most of my watching is from my bed on my tablet or whatever before I go to bed. I've got, um, I actually have four things. So do I. I know I'm stepping up. Bringing your B game. (laughs) Exactly. Travelers. I told you about that the other day. Mm -hmm. I finished Travelers on Netflix. I think it's only like 12 episodes in the first season or whatever. Travelers is a Netflix original series. And it's basically people from the future come back to the now and try to save the future. The twist on this time travel is that they can only... Apparently, they can send messages through little kids, but they can only come back and take over people that are about to die. So through all of our technology and everything and our social sharing and all that kind of stuff, in the future, they use all that information to figure out, you know, they have exact time of death and all that stuff. And then they jump back into hosts and take over their lives from when they were supposed to die. And they're off to kind of save the future. And that's about as, I don't want to spoil too much. They come back in teams. You know, they usually have like a leader, a medic, a historian. And I don't remember what the other ones were supposed to be, but like a tech guy or something probably or whatever. But they, so they send these people back. The historian has basically like memorized everything that's happened. So every time they ask a question, he kind of like closes his eyes and goes, yep, at 345 and that kind of stuff. And he uses, uh, they, they funded, they funded their early stuff through him, like knowing horse racing, like horse bets and stuff. (laughs) That was kind of interesting. But anyway, so I enjoyed the show overall. I think it, it ended on an interesting kind of cliffhanger, and I'm interested to see what they do with season two. So that was Travelers. I did finish Voltron season two. I'm still whatever. I like I like it when they're serious. I don't like it when they they 
not, I guess. I, I don't know. That, that piece didn't translate well to me from a kid now. But, I don't know. I, I Overall, I think I enjoyed it. I watched Hellevator Season 2, which ended up only being like four episodes, I think, this time. It's a game show from the Sasuke Twins. Okay. Um, where they put contestants in a Hellevator. Uh, and like season, I watched all of season one a while ago, but they basically, they make them do these horror related. They do, they tell a story while they're in, in the elevator. Each challenge is more difficult. And if you survive your challenge, you get to eventually go on to like whatever the, the big thing is. And each challenge is worth money. So is this like Joe Rogan in an elevator kind of thing? Or? Uh, kind of, except it's very, very horror. Like they have like a warehouse or something that they've decked out for these horror challenges. I liked season one. It was kind of interesting. Season two, and, and season one was a lot longer. Season two, for some reason, at least on Netflix, they only had like four episodes. But I was kind of okay with it because they they got really repetitive. Season one seemed to be a lot of different stuff. And there's a couple things that they did in season one that I liked that they didn't do in season two. Like they actually had like jump scares in the elevator more in season one. Like they actually had like a an a open, a rotating entryway or sorry, a hidden entryway for so they actually put people like cool in, in with them they'd shut down the lights and then they turn it back on and like somebody dresses a ghost or something was there you know that kind of crap they didn't really do that this season and they did it all off of the this season was all based on the seven deadly sins the only thing i in four up in four apps well <laughs> I, the, the, each episode was about the seven deadly sins. oh i see okay but the thing that bothered me a little bit was the and the labyrinth or whatever they called it this time, all of the challenges were the same. Where in season one, every time they got to that, it was a little bit different. Like one, they were searching, you know, they were searching body bags to find the, the, the body of the, you know, the, to put to rest. But also in there were, it was money and stuff that they could get. So, and this one, it, it was just, here's these, here's these door, here's these seven doors to the different, you know, different sins. The ones that you completed successfully were blacked out, but then everything behind all the doors was the same each episode. So I actually ended up being all right that it was four episodes. Still kind of fun. I mean, it's it's funny to watch because they always bring in people that like have no business. Like, I'm scared of my shadow. <laughs> Thank God you're here. And this season they kept, they were letting four people come on and there's like three challenges, but they were always kidnapping one. So like one of them wasn't going to participate. That was they, this that this season was like you're rescuing your one friend. And they put him down in the like he was a real contestant. He just they, yeah they, they they were letting on teams of four instead of teams of three like they did the year before. Right. But they would always right before they start kidnap one of them and put him down in the cell. Okay. And show them like you you have to rescue him. But they would throw stuff like snakes and spiders and stuff in with them in the cell. So and then if you lost yours, you got you went down in the cell with them. Okay. So showed him in the, so the end was you're, you got to rescue your friends and get as much money as you can, but then you have to make that greed decision. Like if you find the key, you can keep going or you can take what you've already got and take your friends and get out. <laughs> but <laughs> if you keep going and time runs out, you don't get anything. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. Then, uh, I am rewatching Supernatural because Megan is starting to watch Supernatural, but we're not watching it together. <laughs> she started it before I did, and I, and I ran, after I got done with Travelers, I was like, what should I watch next? Oh, Megan's watching Supernatural. I'd, I'll restart it because I don't remember where I finished, and then maybe eventually we'll be on the same page. 
<laughs> That's what I got. All the DC TV shows have started up on CW again. Yeah, we have not watched anything yet. <laughs> We've got about half of them done. I think I'm I'm torn now. I think cheesiness aside, because sometimes it's very cheesy. I think Supergirl has become my favorite of the of the CW DC shows. <laughs> you mean why do I have to explain lesbianism to my child? <laughs> Show. <laughs> you saw that article? Yes. <laughs> Uh, apparently because you're a small-minded... <laughs> okay, no, moving right along. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we also watched Supernatural. Sarah's best day ever when they announced that they were re up yes. for season 13. <laughs> Pointed out that we recently had our anniversary, and that didn't phase her. Well, best day ever was Supernatural season 13 announcement. On the movie side, I watched. I finally got around to watching The Raid 2. Mm, I have not watched that yet. I liked it. It Did you? is sitting upstairs. I've had it since it came out and have not watched it. It's uh it's very different from the first in that the storyline progresses. It it starts off immediately after the events of the raid, but then after a bit of setting the plot, it jumps two years. And the environment is different. See he's now infiltrating the crime gangs instead of trying to confront them head on. There's no hallway scene, but there are some equally impressive and grueling scenes. Oh, and then I watched The Accountant. And I'd kind of put that off because I'm I'm more of an Affleck as director than I am actor person. And let's face it, the the accountant. It doesn't I was expecting something kind of grishamy, you know, kind of uh chase the money and obviously that's what gets him into trouble. It's not that. I mean, there is some chasing the money, but he's he's not just an accountant. Spoiler, no, I will not. But it's a really good movie. I am surprised to say that it it it's it's an action movie straight up. It's really good. It's got what's his name, the guy that played Shane and and the Punisher. Oh, Jesus! I don't. Know. Anyways, he's I'm in not it. Good with actor names. There's not a lot of. Really big names in there. It's him, the guy that played Punisher, and the little woman with the long brown hair that everybody likes. Kendrick. Kendrick. Uh, Anna Kendrick. Is that her name? Anna Kendrick? I think that's it. Yeah. I'm not good with names. Why am I even trying? Uh, anyways, uh, it basically revolves around those three people. It's quite good. John Lithgow's in it for five, ten minutes. It's It's got a good cast of characters. Lots of really good action. I was not expecting an action movie, so I was very surprised. That bat suit wasn't all suit. Affleck is kind of, kind of beefy. Uh, I mean, not bad beefy. He's he's bulked up at some point, and he wears it well. He, he does a good job in this movie. I really liked it. So that's the Raid Do and the Accountant. That's the end of my watching. All right, Nate. Nate shared some stuff. Penny Dreadful just started season three. That's unfortunate for you, Nate. You can go now. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation Season 2. All right, you can stay. Uh, just finished Sherlock Season 4. We have not yet seen that. Um, yeah, we, we have forgot DVD it was, coffee table. We forgot it was on, and then Megan remembered, and we still haven't watched it yet, but I know we are going to. Last Man on Earth, or is that canceled? No, I, th- I thought that just started, uh, the new season. I don't know if it's been canceled after that, but the new I season I just started. an advert on Hulu for it. Yeah, and the new season just started. And sometimes MST3K. Sherlock season four greater than season three, says Nate. 
what we're reading slash listening to. Sponsored by Gene P. Thank you, Gene, for sponsoring us on Patreon and allowing us to talk about the things. Well, allowing uh, Jordan to talk about what he's reading and me to just say, I've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I have a marginally larger list than that. Currently, I'm reading Horse Heresy Book 8, Battle for the Abyss. And this is the word bearers against the Ultramarines. Of course, this heresy is not yet in the timeline. Widely known, the events at the end of Eisenstein have happened, but not everybody knows the full extent of Horace's heresy and who's on his side yet. And this makes that very clear that the word bearers are going to do bad things and that the Ultra Smurfs are just Ultra Smurfs. I finished recently Make Me, Jack Reacher book 700 and something. It's Jack Reacher. If you like it, it's Jack Reacher. I like it, (laughs) and it's Jack Reacher. Just keep going, keep putting them out, and I'll keep listening to them. And I also finished The Nelson Touch, which is not nearly as naughty as it sounds. Last year, I read a book called Ark Royal, kind of a BSG-inspired thing I talked about um, in one of our two or three apps that we did. And this is a continuation of that. It's book two. It follows pretty much the same timeline. It's 10 or 11 months after the end of book one. The aliens are still there. They still are relying on this old, almost uh, mothballed Earth technology to to save save humanity. Twists happen. Things happen. Characters are not developed at all well. It's it was an okay book. The action was good. The character development made me think possibly that Christopher Nuttall has issues with women. But other than that, uh, it's just crap. It's nothing worth noting. Just. <laughs> A comic here and there, magazine articles, way too much time reading newspapers, or at least online newspapers. That's that's. Nate says he's reading Lord of the Rings to his younger daughter, and how to write how to write tales of horror, fantasy, and science fiction to his older daughter. There you go. <clears throat> Sounds like good reading. And again, I'm reading nothing. <laughs> again, unless you count. One of these days, one of these days I'm going to get back in. But see, don't push yourself. Then your TV will drop. That's just it. My my reading time was bedtime, and now it's usually like set things for shop heroes that'll be done by the time I get up (laughs) since I'm going into hours, and then whatever I watch before I go to bed. What we're playing, sponsored by Grey Gnome Games. Thank you, Grey Gnome Games, for sponsoring us over on Patreon and uh, letting us talk about some of the things we actually get to play. And I actually have, I think, all five things on this one. Other than Shop Heroes, or is that included in that? I have four things and (laughs) Shop Heroes on my list. (laughs) You want to go? You go. All right. So, uh, Shop Heroes. Oh, what a surprise. I, I, believe it or not, I'm still playing that game. Um, TG, uh, JT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, JT. Some of us are still playing it. Beyond that, of course, Protospiel Minnesota was not that long ago, so I got to play a lot of things there. So I narrowed it down to the four things I had remaining. Of course, I got Prison Life to the uh, to the table. That's my game. 
that I've been working on. So I got uh, at least four plays in of that and uh, got some great feedback. Nate played in it, I believe. And we had somebody come from, from Albuquerque that didn't believe the game existed. It was his first protospiel. <laughs> One of the guys that gives me crap. So Tom Rell played it. But yeah, I got some great feedback on it and have made plenty of changes and um, gearing up for Protospiel Milwaukee. Take it there and hopefully get some more feedback. I got to play After the Fall, which is a game I've missed at every Protospiel I've gone to, and that was my one goal. Even above and beyond playing my own game, I was going to play After the Fall, damn it. And I did. So that game is brutal, and I, I'm actually looking forward to playing it the next time because he's going to make a bunch of changes to it. Actually, the version I played had a bunch of changes made to it, so I don't know how it compared because everybody always told me how great it is. I don't know how that compared to what they played, but he's going to make a bunch more changes to it, so I can't wait to see Dusty at another uh, protospiel and hopefully jump in on it again and not miss it like I do every year or eh, every protospiel. Multiple times a year, I miss it. <laughs> I played a game called Scenario, which is a potential. So what? What? What's the scenario? scenario? <laughs> it's a potential game coming out. I think from Atlas Games. If if it continues on, I, it was Kyla's game, and she's she works for Atlas. Jeff was there as well. Jeff Tidball from Atlas, and it's it's basically a kind of a party game. Break into teams and you do some script writing. Kind of, you're, you're basically pitching the script to the executive. So one player's playing the executive and there are, are different things that you got to do. So like the first thing we did is, okay, pitch me the first 10 minutes. What's drawing people into this movie? They kind of gave you the genre and all that kind of stuff that we're working with. We kind of collaborated together to get the, the uh, hero, the villain and all that stuff. I mean, and you go down to like, so we had, the thief, and I can't remember what her little thing was, but thief was a troubled past or something like that, and it was played by Audrey Plaza. So um, is it like card game or writing? It's a, it's like a, it's a combination. It's got a bunch of cards. It's not a card game. It's got a bunch of cards in it that you do random stuff off of, but you get like whiteboard okay. kind of deals. So you know your you uh, your team jots notes for the pitch, and somebody has to do the pitch on your team. And we had our villain Vlad who was the king's advisor who writes grisly letters played by Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and so you do all these little fun things, but when you break down in the teams, so again, you got the first 10 minutes, you know, again, pitch me the first 10 minutes of the game uh, of the, this fantasy genre and why, you know, this is the scene. And then you, you, you do your, like your intro to first time we meet the hero, first time we meet the villain, all these kind of little things. So there's a bunch of things that you do. And, Every team is pitching to whoever's the executive, the, the, the executive at the time. So you come up with things and they'll give you like a secret thing that you have to include in your pitch. So that's a card you'll get. And you have to work that into your pitch, but you have to work it into your pitch in a way that the other team can't guess what your secret thing is. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause if they do, they get points. If you hide it from them, you might get some bonus points. I was very good at hiding our secret thing. In fact, at one point, uh, Kay was like, I want to say Jeff forgot the secret thing in his pitch. And I'm like, or did I? Kind of thing. So it, I mean, it's a lot of back. But the other thing is like, you'll have each team will have tokens. So like, if I'm pitching, the other team will give a token. Don't, don't, don't stop right there. Stop it. 
the other team will give a token to the rest of the rest of my my <laughs> my group and it might be something like you know sound effects music action so they have to provide the sound effects or the action or whatever or the music behind my pitch nice so then you get points for the pitch potentially and the po- and points for what hap- what's going on with the rest of the team and and stuff like that so it was it was a fun little i mean it was pretty complex in a way for a party game but it was a lot of fun especially if you have like movie buffs i all i kept thinking is i was i was upset that megan had left already by the time i got to try this because i thought it would have been kind of cool if she was there and, and got to try this out as well so it was a lot of fun of course we won but you know that made it better mm-hmm. but. <laughs> i had fun with that one and then i played an ex- expansion for squirmish which at some point we're going to review squirmish cool i got a copy of the base game but I got to play the expansion. So that's what I played. Thank you, Protospiel. And many more. Small list, but a lot of my standbys. X-Wing, yes. Star Destiny, yes. Mini Metro, still playing that on the tablet. It's just for a low sound kind of, it's like, it's zen subway building. I love the game. Four bucks, well spent. And of course, Call of Duty. And I solved my PS4 problems. I didn't solve anything. I just unplugged everything and let it sit for an hour and then plugged it back in. And did you turn it off and turn it back on again? Yes. Yes, that finally worked. But I had to disconnect every connection, power, both ends of the HDMI. I even unplugged the TV. Who knows if what what the thing was. But anyways, it's working. So I've been playing actually a little bit of No Man's Sky again, which is just kind of, I'm not a big sandbox type thing, unless it's like an MMO. But this is just really kind of low key, kind of blaze a J and fly around through space. That's that's uh, that's what I like about it. So that's what I've been playing. All right. Let's see. I had to scroll back a little bit. Um, Nate says orcs must die unchained. Race for the galaxy on PC. Galaxy trucker Ugh. and prototypes. Yes, lots and lots of prototypes. Galaxy Trucker has got to be one of the best games ever, Nate. I certainly respect your choices in gaming much Uh, better now. So wrong. (laughs) Well, there you go. Oh, Nate says you better. better Respect his choices. Don't push it. Don't (laughs) push it. That was was a little bold there. I can put you back to the end (laughs) of the line and take your name away. All right, so that is another episode of All Us Geeks, episode 74, wrapped up and ready for Jordan to edit. (laughs) All right, everybody, we are going to take off now, and of course, we'll be back very soon. I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. Thanks for listening. Thank you for checking out United Geeks Network family member. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant, head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find the Game Crafter Official Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to the tabletop game print on demand company, The Game Crafter, and its growing community. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.
toast Cause here the end we debauch But come back for more raps More fun, more laughs More this, more that Up and down the mat Cause we geeked up And thanks for showing love We give up viewers thanks With knowledge in the bank Cause y'all are top